Welcome to the Skyward Data Podcast. My name is Mark Potts, and I'll be your host. On today's podcast, we have Frank DiGilio from IBM, who has spent over 38 years developing and working with the mainframe. Frank's current role is CTO of declunkification at IBM. The topics include leveraging cloud, declunkification of a mainframe, leveraging modern technologies such as Python, and demystifying some of the common techniques for modernizing the mainframe. I have a podcast, and uh, the way I describe it to people is, yeah, it's run by these these two yutzes, but <laughs> but everybody who's on that show, I mean, they're all the best of the best in the mainframe environment. So yeah. you know, you, you talk to people who are who are deep in the weeds on some of this stuff, and for me at least, the, the I have learned from every episode, almost every episode that we've had. Um, there's so much to know that um, if you find somebody who says they're a mainframe expert, they're probably not, right? Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm amazed at what people can do. Uh, the, the, the breadth of the, the, the mainframe environment is so wide that I find experts every time I turn around, um, not in the whole thing, but in very special areas. And I, if if you if you talked, if you had on your podcast, a lot of the people that were on mine, I think you'd find some. You pull out stuff that we never had a chance to connect with. Yeah. I mean, even if we had the exact same people on all the time, um, both podcasts would have valuable and different information. Yeah. No, I hundred percent credit, and I never stop learning when it comes to the mainframe. I think that's what's intriguing, right? I mean, 20 years into my career, and I don't know, hopefully I win the lottery and I'll have to work 25 more years. But <laughs> well, let's just say on, on average, i got to work another 20, 25 years. I mean, there's a lot for me to still learn, right? And that, and that's exciting. And I feel like the mainframe, believe it or not, I mean, it's going to be around, right? And those who think it's going to be gone overnight is is not right, right? It's, I just, I don't believe it, right? Well, it's, it's funny. I've, I've been doing, working with, businesses for for 30 years yeah. and for 30 years i've been dealing with a large number of, of businesses saying okay we have a get off the mainframe strategy <laughs> now if you have a get off the mainframe strategy that's taken you 30 years <laughs> you've got a problem right yeah. people yeah. say they want to get off the mainframe like i say i want to win the lottery right <laughs> and i don't even play right yeah. so it it's it's just comical that a CIO comes into a, a business and says, "Hey, um, uh, my strategy is to get rid of the mainframe, and we're yeah. going to put all this stuff in the cloud or whatever." And what happens is they invest money. I, I worked with a customer that invested three hundred million dollars to get off the mainframe, <laughs> and couldn't. Yeah. Imagine, imagine your responsible for a $300 million strategy that failed. Yeah. Right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, it's the fastest way out of a job sometimes, right? To go, go pound your fears and say, we're getting off the mainframe, right? And, right. and maybe if some folks are okay with that, but yeah, it's not a, it's not a long lifespan, right? In that role, if that's your objective, yeah. right? I understand how you can get there. I, I understand how people 
make yeah. that mistake. Uh, it's just, this is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned 30 years working with clients, right? So I know you've been at IBM for 38 years. Um, you've got a role. At, it sounds like it's a fairly recent role, the CTO of declunkification of the mainframe, right? Which is which is very intriguing, right? So maybe uh, maybe take a few minutes and tell us a little bit more about your background and um, as well as, you know, get into that declunkification. I, I got to pause and make sure I get that right. But. You do it. You do it very well, actually. Let me tell you. <laughs> It's it's really funny for me because uh, with the title of declunkification, uh, I'm a worldwide resource, right? So yeah. uh, when you go to Japan, um, everybody looks to the translator to see how they're going to translate declunkification. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. But so I, I came to IBM um, 38 years ago uh, after some time on Wall Street um, because. They were actually starting to do a language, uh, an AI language that they were going to be running on the on, on the mainframe, and I thought, well, this is great. This will be fun. I can get in the ground floor of something um, because I've always been interested on being on the leading edge of stuff. Um, I like that part of of our industry. Is there's always a leading edge. There's always something new to do, um, and and I. I quite frankly get bored doing the same thing over and over again. So um, it was a really interesting thing for me to start. Now that at the time was a, a prologue on on MVS, uh, which uh, which turned out to be a product that uh, people were, I guess, not quite re ready for. Yeah. Um, so it didn't go anywhere. But from from that on, uh, the projects I would do inside the company were very much connecting the mainframe to, at the time, like microcomputers and mini computers. And, and so we did a lot of stuff with, with uh, different technologies. And, and I was always kind of connected to that. Uh, but I was doing primarily coding and because that's what we did back then. You, if you were in the business, you were doing coding. Um, what happened though, uh, one day I was in a, um, this meeting and we were taking one of those Myers-Briggs tests. And I realized that everybody was at one end of the Myers-Briggs test and I was at the complete other end. <laughs> I, was like, I do not belong in development. So um, I started working, uh, like you said, around 30 years ago uh, with customers. I, I got a, a role at IBM that basically allowed me to uh, help them understand how they could use the latest technology on, uh, at the time it was uh, MVS. In fact, it was open edition back then. Um, but uh, so the neat thing is for 30 years, I've been doing something new every year with, with uh, businesses and helping them figure out how they can use that technology. So if you think about it, this predates uh, when the web became important and valuable. So, so I started helping people start to use the mainframe in web implementations. And we spent a lot of time showing them how they could take that traditional stuff and connect it to web. Every time we've done something new, I've been out there with clients working at, okay, how do we, how do we connect the mainframe to, to these services, uh, to this internal stuff? How do you build a, an end-to-end -end architecture that that connected your latest kick stuff with 
you know, some of the client server, traditional client server stuff. When cloud came along, I was working with uh, businesses to see how they could take their traditional ZOS, IMS, DB2, Kicks, and 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 create services from them that can be consumed by uh, other businesses, right? Other other technologies. So it it really has been a a thirty year trip of always taking that latest technology and showing it how it's part of a whole enterprise solution. Uh, I think the thing that I've seen often is mainframe people think everything should be on the mainframe. Distributed people think everything should be distributed. Cloud people think that there's only the cloud, right? And and the way things will have to work is, is more nuanced than that. Um, yeah. Real solutions are going to tie all this stuff together, yeah. right? Which is why the my latest job, the, the declunkification, I, I refuse to say modernization because that implies that the mainframe hasn't been modern. But it has. It's always been doing modern stuff. It's the same uh, modern uh, modern strategy every year. Hey, what's new? What's latest? How do I take advantage of it? Um, and and since I've been working on it, it's always been focused on how do we make this more open? Yeah. How do we be better better connected to the rest of the world? Now that doesn't mean everybody's done that. But the, the platform itself has been like that. Yeah. What I've found is most of the businesses that I've been dealing with the last five or six years, they're like, we can't use this stuff. It's too old. Well, yeah, it's because you're using old ways of doing stuff. Yeah. Let's use the new stuff, right? And and see what you can do. No, and, and that's great, right? And, and, you know, I start thinking about, you know, how many times I've had conversations with people about the mainframe and, you know, they, they say, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, 50, 60 years old or even my peers and my friends that might not be in the tech space or they know a lot about cloud. And I bring up, you know, I work for a mainframe software company, a startup, and they're like, what's the mainframe? Right. And I always tell them, like, it's, a, you know, the mainframe is what powers our global economy. Right. And then everything. And you start thinking about airlines, you know, the, the, you know, the whole ticketing process, reservation, FAA, right? All of it is, is running on a mainframe. You know, most, most, most governments run, you know, their revenue services on the mainframe and many other so social security and other things, right? So, you know, as we think about that and we want to share with folks maybe the, that might not know as much of the mainframe and are going to watch this podcast, what are your thoughts? Is there something, an interesting fact out there or something that, reminds you of how interesting or how powerful and how prevalent or important the mainframe is in our world today. A big thing that when people say, well, uh, I like the cloud, I like doing business on the cloud, uh, I remind them, you realize that every credit card process you do, yeah. there's a mainframe doing that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's in the cloud, but the actual processing, that's a mainframe, yeah. right? Um uh, if if you use um, uh, not FedEx the other one uh, UPS if you use UPS and you want to track a package, yeah. you're using the mainframe, yeah. right? Um, all, all of these, all of the things that you think you're doing through the cloud, a lot of them are backed by by mainframe act activities because 
they are the the basic building block of most of the large businesses today. Yeah. The banks, um, you, you mentioned uh, airlines, hotels, uh, all of them use uh, mainframe not just for the transactions but for the reservations. Uh, you know, it's 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 just so um, interwoven. I I, um, I remember somebody who I trust said, uh, if the, if if Amazon were to be down tomorrow, there are a bunch of businesses that would just disappear. Yeah. If the mainframes disappeared for a day, Western civilization as you know it would disappear. Yeah. Because you can't do anything. Yeah. Right? It's 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 kind of a pretty daunting thing to think about. Yeah. Um, but I think part of that is because people don't they don't understand what makes it different, right? Um, and one of the things that drives me crazy is they think that the mainframe is just like a Linux system, only really, really big. And, and it's fundamentally different from the cloud because the cloud says, hey, I'm going to break up everything into a bunch of little systems and they all work in independently. And the mainframe model is the opposite. We're going to take these systems, you know, uh, five or six or 10 or whoever systems and treat them as one big honking system. And so I have all these independent things, but they're all really working together as one. And it's that fundamental difference that makes, that makes the mainframe um, a much more powerful business engine than the cloud. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the other thing I think about too, and most people just don't realize it, but the, um, well, the mainframe's been around for 45, 55 years, right? You know, the hardware gets refreshed every two years, and so does the operating system. And then IBM brings new, you know, new things and new capabilities like Java containers and Python and those types of things, right, to the mainframe. And it's really the applications that were written 45, 50 years ago at, those time, at that time, which, by the way, still run, you know, the airlines and everything that we're talking about, right, which is... You know, we got to give props to our forefathers and our peers, right, that wrote those. I mean, that's that's impressive, right? Don't get me wrong, but things have changed, right? And there needs to be more agility. And, you know, I often think about we need to go skill more COBOL developers or then teach people JCL and Rex and everything else. And, you know, after talking to you at Tech Exchange, maybe I'm thinking about that wrong, right? And I think going back to this whole declunkification concept that you're talking about. And like I mentioned, Python and containers coming to the mainframe. I mean, that's kind of where you're focused now. Maybe maybe you want to spend a few minutes talking about how you're declunkifying. I think that's, I would go with that word. That's good. No, you did it great. That's perfect. <laughs> I like it. So, with, so yeah, imagine uh, if you're a mainframer, imagine trying to manage your system without JCL at all. Um, and if if you're a mainframer listening to this, um, I'll give you a second to you know to get your heart back, um, because the thought of not doing things with JCL is 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 abhorrent to a mainframer. Yeah. But um, but today I can do a lot of that same work um, seamlessly in Python, and and imagine taking a, somebody out of school with a set of skills they already have. Um, and saying, hey, um, you can take that 
and start to manage these ZOS resources with that skill. You don't have to learn JCL. You don't have to learn Rex. Not that they're not something they that somebody couldn't learn in a relatively short period of time. You could learn it. Um, but but one, a lot of uh, a lot of new people don't want to learn a set of skills that they don't know is going to give them some value right away. So um, this that, that learning JCL is not transferable off the mainframe. So um, so I, I I can't I I need something else right. So um, so if I give you Python and say hey I'm going to give you a set of modules that do things um, that do mainframe work. You could then use those to manage uh, mainframe resources without having to use JCL, without having to use special tools. And what I like about this is up until now, um, IBM and ISVs, and we would all say, um, we're going to give you these tools and you're going to use them to do this. And we've been kind of heavy handed as vendors saying, here, um, we will tell you and you will follow us. Um, and what we've done is we've democratized the system. Now you can say, hey, I have this skill. Uh, I know how to do things in Python. Python is going to allow me to, to, to talk to the, um, to the, the workload manager or talk to uh, the underlying infrastructure, talk to the, the subsystems like DB2 or Kix and, and set things up. And I don't have to use that old JCL stuff. That's kind of a big deal because now I'm uh, I'm giving the power to a new group of people. And I think what you'll see is a very a different focus from from vendors like IBM and 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 um, other companies because they'll have to say, oh. You want to use this because, not yeah. because we told you to, but because yeah. here's the extra value I provide. Yeah. And I think that's a big, big shift and makes it more in line with the rest of, of the IT world. I think that's an important change. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that's great. And so instead of going and skilling up a, a talent pool that, isn't highly motivated to your point, right? They want a skill that they can use for the next 20, 30 years, right? And it's hard to convince them that Rex and JCL and COBOL and assembler skills are going to use for the next 30 years, even though you're going to make, you can make the argument the mainframe is going to be around for a while. Python is more attractive, right? Or Java or something like that. So instead of reskilling them, you reskill the mainframe, essentially. Right. Right? Well, it's funny. I, I, I mentioned, I, I, literally travel around the world and I talk to uh, a bunch of mainframe executives and leaders and they all say the same thing. They've been saying the same thing to me for the last four or five years. Frank, our sysprogs, they look like this, right? <laughs> they're, they're all five years or so from dying, uh, retiring. Yeah. And, um, and I have people coming in and there's no way they're going to get up to speed fast enough before these people retire. What am I going to do? Yeah. And so that's really, for me, the thing that I've been fighting against. Okay, how do I solve that problem? What's interesting is internally, our, our uh, CIO's office 
is trying to figure out how to declunkify their environment. And so they've taken a bunch of uh, new hires, uh, people who are who are skilled in Python but don't know anything about the platform. And we've had them for the last eight months or so um, building automation, Python automation, uh, to manage their ZOS environments. Now, these are people that when they came into the company knew nothing about the mainframe, nothing at all. I would pass probably 80% of them off as, as pretty good sysprods already. Um, why? Because they were able to take a set of skills that they already had yeah. and, and just kind of add this understanding of this piece. Um, they, they just finished a Python code that will allow them to install and configure uh, a, a DB2 subsystem, right? Wow. From all in Python from scratch. Um, that kind of thing would take years to, to teach. Yeah. And here's people who picked it up in in less than eight months. I think that's a I think that's pretty cool, right? And so that's the kind of thing that I see happening that I know can work. That if we if we as a community embrace it, um, I think it will automatically catch on because the the young people are ready. Uh, yeah. It's really us as the as the stewards, I think of the of the platform to help them along and get there. No, I mean, that's, that's very interesting. Right. And, you know, if I think about, you know, what virtual Z has done too, or just triggered what you're talking about. Right. So, you know, for those that don't know, right, we provide very simple, easy access, right. To sequential, non-sequential files in the mainframe, um, zip enable. So it runs on a zip process processor, but, um, it's 90% without sharing too much Java. Right. Um, if not a little bit more than that. And, you know, we've we've got a very talented chief technology officer who's able to integrate the Java into the low-level ZOS capabilities, right, to, 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 to make that happen, right? And I think just, I mean, opening, you know, Pandora, I mean, for, for me, that was like eye-opening. Wow. I figured the whole thing was written in COBOL somehow and, you know, assembler and everything else, right? But uh, no, it's much simpler than that, right? Well, and that's the thing is that people have associated um, COBOL with the platform. And, and not that there's anything wrong with COBOL. I think, yeah. you know, it's a great language. Anybody who says they, they, they don't know COBOL and they're speaking to me in English, yeah. I give them a hard time. It's, <laughs> it's literally English, right? Um, yeah, there are a couple of nuances, but you create sentences. You use <laughs> English words. It's not that hard. But <laughs> having said that, uh, languages like Java uh, or Python, they're languages that that people come out of school knowing. Yeah. Why why not take advantage of that, right? So what we did for Java, we actually we actually added hardware um, instructions to manage Java faster, right? Yeah. So the ability to to take a language and make it perform well on the platform. Is is something that we're very focused on because because we have to keep up. You can't just say, "Well, you know, PL one is a great language. You just <laughs> use that language. What's the big deal?" Yeah, uh, just learn it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I had somebody once say, 
why are you pushing this Python stuff? It only takes an hour to learn JCL. I'm like, well, it takes a little bit longer than an hour. And it's not always that easy to, to keep up with. So, you know, it's, um, I, I like the idea of always having the, the modern languages on the platform. Yeah. Um, I think that some of the older people might look down their noses at some of the more modern languages. Yeah. But, um, but if I can get people to do things um, and create really cool things like the stuff you guys are doing at Virtual Z, I think that's a, I think that's just good for the platform. And I love the idea of having the the, the mainframe data and um, <clears throat> and information from it so accessible. Yeah. Uh, do you know that most companies spend twenty percent of their MIPS or more just ETLing data off the platform. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that's, that's expensive. And that's crazy to me that people do that. I mean, the idea of being able to say, only pull off what you need when you need it is, is a great money saving uh, idea. And I, it's yeah. amazing. It's taken so long uh, for it to, to come to somebody. Hey, we can make money this way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you can instantly reduce, you know, the cost of them, the mainframe, right, um, by 20%, right? I mean, that's what, ultimately, that's what Virtual Z objective is, right, is to really go after that market and, and you know, those challenges around ETL and change data capture and trying to keep data in sync. And now you've got data in multiple places, right, and it gets complex. It gets um, hard to understand, you know, what is a system of record? Um, you really want it to be on the mainframe because, it's, it's kind of been the system of record for so long, right? And its processing power is so impressive, right? And and I get the kind of, I'll, I'll use the term old school mentality, right? Like, why not use JCL and all these other things, but that we still use, that we've used for many years. But the reality is if you could bring in a whole new generation of talent, that really can unlock, you know, new use cases and capabilities that the mainframe offers that we haven't even really been able to touch on or imagine, right? I mean, I think, you know, the platform is is really what's impressive, right? And um, the old school folks should be more focused on the platform as a whole and not just the, the languages. Although if you spent 35 years in those languages, you're, you're going to be tied to them, right? And I fully respect that, right? Yeah, that's what people say to me all the time, Mark. It's like, I've, I've been doing this this way for 30 plus years. Yeah. And it works well for me. Why should I change? And and I get that. And that, but again, as as stewards of the platform, um, I think it's it's incumbent on us um, to really help people um, really fall in love with the platform the way we have. And to do that, um, you have to give up some of the gems that you have. Yeah. Right. And what's cool about that is if I give some of these capabilities to people and and let them see the value, they're going to come up with new and different ways of using it that we never even thought of because yeah. we're not in that milieu. Right. So I, I I agree with you. I think it's 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 a long time coming. I wish yeah. it had happened 20 years ago. But yeah. hey, here we are. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what if, I mean, I think about. You know, I first got introduced to uh, Z Linux, right? Uh, and that whole capability probably five or six years ago, right? And and that to me is very interesting, right? And I, as part of my role 
at Accenture. I also managed a partnership with Red Hat for a period of time as well and um, got exposed to OpenShift and, and its full capabilities, right? And so the whole idea of running Red Hat OpenShift on such a powerful machine and so close to the legacy data and legacy applications, I mean, that's a great innovation that I still think to your, the point we were just making is going to unlock a lot of use cases we haven't even thought about. But for declockification, are there new, are there any kind of uh, up and coming initiatives you're allowed to share with us or want to share with us, right? Um, I know IBM, IBM likes to keep a lot of the innovation close to their chest sometimes, although, you know. There are a few pieces, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'll i probably get in trouble. I don't know. But um, I, I, I do think, to your point, the whole OpenShift, um, having OpenShift, managing uh, what people used to think of as just traditional ZOS capabilities, you know, you'll you'll see a lot more of that kind of thing. Um, there's a tremendous effort um, to to simplify. You know, um, all this declunkification is really about simplifying the environment yeah. and making it so that people aren't afraid of it anymore, or, or it doesn't feel so foreign. And so, a lot of automation, things like Ansible, uh, managing resources. Um, you know, along with Python, uh, that kind of thing really brings the platform to that to that new group of people. Um, AI is going to be a very, very valuable, not just from a business perspective. I believe it will be, you know, the whole, hey, I can, I can detect fraud within the transaction and save money. All that stuff is cool from a business perspective. But I'm a dyed in the wool IT guy, right? What you know, business is cool, but you know, it's the tech that really matters, right? So, <laughs> um, so, but but AI, think about the, the AI opportunities for taking the complexity of this system and really bringing it to people in a new way. I think that's going to be huge. For the one of the problems of the mainframe is that there's no such thing as a vanilla ZOS. Nobody has one, right? Um, but if, imagine the AI can start to understand how, how you've configured your ZOS and say, okay, here's a set of, here's a, a, um, alerts that are coming up. And based on the way you have it configured, here's what we should do. And, and of course, up front, it'll be, hey, I think we should do this. And you, as the as the sysprog, say yes, do that. But over time, the system can actually literally heal itself yeah. uh, along the way. And so, you know, we've we've talked about these things for 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 decades, actually. But we're we're really at the cusp of, of being able to do that. And so, I now will be able to have um, data scientists work with traditional system programmers and admins and, and architects to create a world where the, the system really is much simpler. And the funny thing about it is because ZOS and, and, and mainframe runs multiple boxes as one big box, it would actually be a simpler cloud platform than the cloud. Right. So all we need to do is make it easier to program to, make it easier to manage, and suddenly it becomes 
Um, the cool thing that we've been saying for for a long time, but but also accessible, and and that's really what we end up with is a really accessible system. No, that's that's great, right? And um, I, I know like that whole AI ops thing has been around for a while, and honestly, a lot of the cloud providers have done a good job with that, right? In their own environments and bringing that sort of concept to. And the mainframe and, you know, being able to code the scripts, right, to self-heal in Python and modern languages as you apply the AI and everything else, AI models and everything, and then getting access to that data, right? I mean, simplified, you know, access to the data is going to be very important to be able to build those models. And let's be honest, the processor and the compute capabilities of the mainframe lean itself to be able to run some of those complex models as fast as possible, right, on the mainframe. Yeah, and what they've done. Uh, and so this is the cool thing about us, I think, uh, IBM, is is that we we make the hardware. Uh, we've designed the operating system. We've kind of uh, uh, built the, a lot of the middleware. And, and, and so when, when the time came to build the Telum chip, to build the AI chip, we didn't just get a bunch of hardware guys to sit around and go, hmm, what should we do? We had the hardware guys, we had the middleware guys, we had the operating system guys, we had research. We had a bunch of people that got together and said, what would be good? And because you had all these different people working together, you, you build from the hardware all the way up um, an understanding of what AI can do. And I think that is is the it's the wave that's about to break mark it's it's all this capability is there it's it's right at the edge and all we have to do is grab it and so the work that i'm trying to do is make it easier for people to grab it no that's perfect that's perfect all right well, in, is there anything i missed or anything that's uh i should have asked you that i didn't ask you being not as a mainframe expert as yourself, or... no, I, 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 I always cringe when somebody calls me a mainframe expert. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not an expert. You know, there's there are experts out there, but um, no, I think we've talked about the stuff that I would want to talk about. I, I, I'd want to put a plug in for for my podcast, Terminal Club, absolutely with with Jeff Bisty. Um, it's it's out uh, out there on all of the the regular podcast environments. I. I um, maybe I'm not an expert, but we certainly interview a lot of experts. So um, it'd be great for people to go check out TerminalTalk.com or TerminalTalk.net, I think, or wherever you get your podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty psyched about being part of this community. And um, I can't wait to see what the next generation is going to do with it. Perfect. And, and I'll give you a plug as well. I did go out and uh, watch or listen to a few of yours um, as I am new to this whole podcasting thing and wanted to learn more about yourself as well. And so I, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot. It was great. Um, so I do rec highly recommend it for folks that want to continue their education around the mainframe. You had some great guests and everything out there as well. So 